This is a Media Lab podcast. All right, Dave, there goes the moon. Oh, this is this is great for us. I'm so happy for us. We're back to Earth by the end of this episode. However long it happens to run is going to be exactly when we reach Earth. Sweet. That's great timing. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that even though we have, of course, been recording in person on this spaceship for this entire year of 2021, it's, it's almost as if we're back in the same room for the first time. Yeah, not awkward at all. Over a, a year and a half ago, I think, is the last time we recorded in person. You would accept every episode. Except for every episode. That we've been together mm-hmm. on the couch. So this is, this is working out great. <laughs> exactly how it is. Exactly. I spoke well, into my cup. That's great. Yeah, this is perfect audio. It's like we're professional podcasters over here. Eh. You can even probably pull that microphone slightly closer to your face even. Well, listen, <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> I won't say an inappropriate thing. All right, let's wrap it up. Because we're face-to-face now. On a rinky-dink spaceship headed back to Earth, Kyle and Dave are stuck on board with an evil machine. This giant robot is forcing them to watch films it picks. If they don't obey, then it'll be the end of the world. Again. This is mostly Kyle's fault, but he's not going to face an apocalypse alone, especially not on this ship that seems to be held together with tape and imagination. This is Kyle and Dave versus The Machine. Welcome to Kyle and Dave versus The Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm so done with this. And I'm the machine. (laughs) This is a podcast where a sentient machine was forcing us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse. And then another apocalypse happened. Somehow it's used its powers to transport us across time and space. So now we're on our way back to Earth. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to. Although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today... We're doing a wrap-up. We don't Ooh. actually have a movie we're talking about this week. Just in time for Christmas. Or Christmas was last week, Dave. Right. right? Just in time for New Year's. We are New Year's Eve here, right, baby. Right, right. Just, just in time to have already unwrapped our gifts. Mm-hmm. And now we get to wrap this thing up. Does that I, make sense? I was disappointed that you weren't super excited about the gift that I gave to you. Yeah. What did you give me? <laughs> I was throwing that to you. So you tell me what I gave to you. Right. Right. Yeah, that's... Uh, Exactly what I was expecting for us to talk about. It, it was, was probably a DVD box set of of uh, Billy I, the Billy Jack collection. Is that where we're I going? did? I gave you the entire Billy Jack collection. All f- five films. Four. There's, well, actually, I think there is five. I think there's a made for TV movie or something like that. I mean, but. if that's not in there, is it really a box set? Correct. Mm. Correct. I was actually really impressed that Criterion asked us to do the audio commentary and it's basically just Dave went like, ah, for the entire two hours. Again? This again? (laughs) Have keto. Please go back and listen to our Billy Jack episode for that to make sense. If you were born uh, early enough to have watched that, we're not sorry. There's been a lot of people angry about it, apparently. I don't know. I I want to talk about this because the machine has graciously... Benevolently, with benevolence, benevolent, benevolently, however that word works, bestowed upon us the ability to kind of do a a look back on Mm -hmm. our last year. I can't wait to watch your flesh burn. Uh, This is where I want to start here, then, and I feel like you're going to, of course, be the most pessimistic one about this. But uh, I'm, I'm full of joy and hope. I want to do surprises, both good and bad, for you. Like, what are what were like the biggest surprises you had? Uh, from 1971. Overall? Yeah. Surprise implies I had an expectation. So I won't say surprise. Uh, I think my realization that I've been thinking a lot about this year is how 
you know, same and different 1971 is. Same in that a lot of these uh, cultural, uh, cultural and social problems still exist, but different because this art form was uh, so much, yeah, we overuse the word grittier and artistic. Like people were just making films because they fucking wanted to oh. instead of instead of having to answer to some share. I mean, there are shareholders to answer to no matter what, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like they were, let's Who say, specifically? Who are those shareholders, Dave? <laughs> well, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Johnny was kind of an asshole in that movie we watched. So we've, uh, so all of that to say, we've watched very challenging films and watched films that were apparently popular that would never make any money today. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I think, the surprising thing. And I, I knew that, into, again, intellectually, I understood 70s are this different time in a, in a bunch of different ways. But one of the biggest things was this, I don't even know if it's weird, but this unique time period where challenging films were at the top of the box office. I, I realized it probably too late into our season that it almost sounded like what we were saying is like, there's no challenging movies made today. It was only in the 70s that challenging movies were made. And that's that's not true. But at the same time, like... I'm trying to think of a the Green Knight from this year mm-hmm. is not going to be anywhere near the top ten. No, <laughs> where in 1971, office? maybe I don't know, like it had a better chance of being the t- in the top ten. Yeah, yeah, if it had been released that year, it would have looked different. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Harvey Keitel would have been in it. But <laughs> that, yeah, and that's the thing. I don't know if people were wiser or just there's less interference with corporate interests and greed. But they're not marketed this way anymore. It would be interesting. I know we've been watching a lot of trailers uh, this year, but it'd be interesting to kind of time warp back to see how movies were marketed in general. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm sitting there in my tight bell bottoms, uh, just hanging out, smoking hashish, how do I know that a movie's even playing? How do I know that Billy Jack's on its way? I have no idea. Well, we talked about like that uniqueness, how Billy Jack almost changed how movies were marketed on television specifically. Uh, it's like the first television commercial was for Billy Jack because he made that be willed into existence. But but I think you're right in many ways. Like, how do you bring something like, uh, I don't know, from something we recently watched, like Vanishing Point mm. or even like uh, a Straw Dogs or something. And you're an executive. I'm like, yes, yes, we can market this effectively to the population. Do we show the whole rape scene on TV right. or? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me, I think there's the two, for two exceptions, which is, Million Dollar Duck and Pretty Maids All in a Row, which happen to be our two lowest rated films that we watched this year. Films is a strong word. Which I think are a complete waste of time for everyone involved. Yes. I'm actually glad we watched everything we watched, even the ones I hated, even the ones I absolutely hated. (laughs) At the very least, I was like, I'm glad I watched that for X number of reasons because of its historical nature, because I've never seen anything from that director before. At least I can have an opinion about this sort of thing. So there there was some challenging some boring uh and then some really rewarding films if we take a look right now at least just at our top five as much as we're saying like challenging films these are pretty disparate i would say as Mm. far as the five top films which is from five to one we have duel by steven spielberg which is very you know uh populist you know exciting movie uh, type of thing that spielberg would become known for a uh, preface to the oncoming change right. in of, film. Of, in, right. in Hollywood. I, I agree with that. Number four is Clute, which is, you know, your very uh, strong female-driven mm-hmm. film and uh, is Thriller. The best, yeah, Beautiful Thriller. Shot. Yeah. Uh, which Jane Fonda, of course, is the best part of that movie. Yes. <laughs> as, we, as we kept mentioning in that episode, uh, <laughs> everything else is kind of not up to her standard. Flat. But, yeah, yeah. But still, yeah, that, that Thriller film. 
Number three is The Devils, which is probably like the movie I was like, this, I was, I knew that I needed to be prepared for this movie and nothing was going to prepare me for no. watching this movie. It, I mean, I don't remember if we talked about this specifically, but it's so intentional how it lulls you at the beginning. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you think, you think you're shocked now. Right. Just, just wait. It's, just wait. Just wait. So understand why that was banned for, for so many years. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof is number two. So that big budget musical, which was on its way out of Hollywood. Very comparable, the two. You know, yeah. when I think of Fiddle on the Roof, I, I think, think of, of the, the Devils. devils. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's actually interesting because, like I said, really, you don't really see that type of big budget musical after this. Not on the same scale, at least. Musicals, of course. Weirdly, 2021 has been, I think, the year of the musical. There's They're been like 10 of them yeah. released this year, which well, has been we, interesting. If we're learning anything, Hollywood has run out of ideas. Mm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And then our number one is Harold and Maude, which mm. is like your weird indie comedy starring an 80 year old woman falling in love with an 18 year old boy yeah i wonder i don't know it's such a hipster movie i wonder if we did this 10 years ago if we would appraise it as highly mm-hmm. or if like we just like the tone of that because it's trending right now but that movie is amazing right, right great discovery for me uh french connection didn't crack our top five eh no it, uh, just out. it's on our top 10 interesting so, yeah. interesting all right but yeah, French Connection is there, but we've seen, like one of the ones I was so glad that we watched, again, whether you like it or not, uh, Shaft, I like that I eventually, yeah. I finally got to see the original Shaft and yeah. just see what that that felt like. Clint Eastwood's first movie that he directed, Play Misty for Me, which was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, that was not as bad as I thought it was going to be, except for the font selection. It was, yeah. uh, it was good. And Jessica Waters was, Walters? Jessica Walter, Walter I think, yeah. yeah. She was great in it. Um, and more people should be punched out of windows, is yeah. what we discovered there too i've wanted to do that to you ever since i met you i, I well, honestly think the big thing is is kind of sometimes the re-evaluation of what classics are revered mm. um i i know you rail against wokeness a little bit here on the <laughs> podcast dave <laughs> but oh. but we're sort of saying like i get it like from a 2021 context i can watch things like you know a clockwork orange mm. thx 1138 um, even like that throwaway your books rally in the streets. I'm trying to think of uh, other big ones. Dirty Harry, those th- mm-hmm. those sorts of things mm-hmm. that are really revered amongst different people. Sometimes even critics uh, love them. And I think for us, what we were struggling with is like, for sure, if we take this in the context of 1971 and disregard the next 50 years of filmmaking, yeah, I can see why people would love this. But does it still hold up? in 2021 and i think that was sometimes our hard part that we did especially for um i'll i'll speak for myself for like a clockwork orange which i've seen before but for thx 1138 for trying to think of another good one here that we've talked about if you notice kyle is probably the only one who's got the list in front of him that's correct that is correct (laughs) But, but like my uncle antoine sure vanishing point those types of ones which is like Sure, some of those I liked, some of them I didn't like, except for those top five I mentioned. Like, would I put these in like my top hundred list? Mm, all time? No, no. Yeah, I don't know, Kyle. I mean, I think one of the other things we're learning about, and it's been it's become more and more prevalent in the in the later episodes, is so much of the reappraisal of this is about learning the context around the film sure. as opposed to the film itself. Yeah, I've been feeling my scores have been softening because as we get more acclimatized to what film is in 1971. Right. What is a classic? I mean, I I remember liking French Connection a lot more, but I still liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, and you and... 
Alex. Is Alex? We're kind of lukewarm on it. It'll be interesting maybe in another 50 years, Kyle, when we do the 100-year episode. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I, I said this in a previous episode. This, this is why it's so hard to really nail down, like, this is going to stand the test of time or this is going to be remembered X amount of years from now. I'm sure, like, the year Casablanca came out, yeah, of course, people liked it then, cleans up at the Academy Awards, but... Did they think like, oh, yeah, 100 years from now, people are going to still be watching this movie? And it seems to be like it still seems to be pretty revered even till present day. And then you have stuff like, let's say, a McCabe and Mrs. Miller here, Mm. which is uh, revered amongst cinephiles. But I think you can really see the seams on that movie when you watch it in 2021. I still like a lot of it, but it's like uh, the greatness is not shining through as much as maybe it once did. Yeah, we've. Touched on this a lot. What was it we talked about last episode? But when we have a film or watch a film that deals with sort of universal concepts, but doesn't get bogged into Mm -hmm. either too specific a uh, time period or too abstract a film technique, uh, you have an opportunity for it to become timeless. And 1971 was too experimental maybe for that. There's so much goodwill uh, and bad filmmaking. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's something that we haven't really mentioned. And this does not fit every one of these movies we talked about. But I'll speak for Harold and Maude specifically, which is going to be like our number one movie of the year, which is, I love that film. I love the actors in it. I, I kind of wish it was filmed better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, <laughs> oh, it looks like it's been filmed with a potato in some in some scenes. It's like, oh, I just wish I had like a high def camera that had captured this. Yeah, it's like borderline made for TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and that's but that's the thing about that film is that its sense of humor and its self awareness and its treaties really on the human condition <laughs> that's too big. But like it's about finding a purpose and joy and embracing life. Those are the kind of themes that we still connect with, and it's done in such a enjoyable way mm-hmm. that I think even if my son is a little bit older, I don't think he can handle some of the jokes of a kid trying to kill himself every sure. 10 minutes. But I suspect, and maybe what we need to do is uh, get someone who's like 20 or 15 to watch this movie and see if it's just us being old. But I feel True. like it would still hold a lot of weight because it's it's fun to watch, you know? I, it's fun in thinking about the top five. Like, I would not describe The Devils as a fun film to watch, nor would I suggest I would ever watch it again. You know, maybe if we had to, mm-hmm. uh, when we get invited... To Criterion's uh, closet, sure. and we have to explain and rewatch and reevaluate all the things uh, after we've become famous. We may have to watch a screening of it uh, just to prove our point. But I would definitely watch Harold and Maude again. Fiddle on the Roof was entertainment value. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's hard to evaluate. This year's been it's been a roller coaster, man. Uh, I don't know if we can put it all into one 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 pretty bow. The last thing I'll say that I was somewhat surprised by and now looking back i don't know necessarily why i was so surprised about it but i do need to bring up the fact of how uh homosexuality is dealt with in a lot of films from Mm. 1971 first we start off the year with both shaft and sweet sweet back having gay characters inside their narratives and i was like oh weird like i I really was not anticipating this to be a thing shaft actually was surprisingly like that's actually fairly progressive right right (laughs) characterization of a gay character and then you get things like the weird gay characters in diamonds are forever and then you get like the weird (laughs) like hitchhikers in vanishing point and then the weird gay characters in uh two lane or the the gay character in two lane blacktop and it's like Okay, so you can really tell that there was the gay panic going on here in the early 70s. Yeah, I think 
that's depends. You know, it's interesting. It depends more on the individual. I don't know if it's a societal thing yet. I mean, we got mm-hmm. to watch Sunday Bloody Sunday. We got to see it represented in uh, actually a pretty progressive way in Sunday yeah, Bloody Sunday. I'm trying to think. In the, it's not in all films, but in many of the films, there's an undercurrent where it's uh, it's not a big deal. I'm trying to think. Was it even in Clute? No, maybe not. Play Misty for Me is probably the most offensive one. But, oh, right. Uh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, really weird gay <laughs> yeah, character in that one, too. Just throw that in there. Yeah, check mark. Just for the uh, excuse for Clint Eastwood to be like, go back down to the docks, yeah. suck some sailors off. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically Yikes. is what he said. I think this is just coming out of maybe the civil rights movement and mm-hmm. the general idea that the old guard is wrong about everything and any opportunity we have to put that on the screen is important uh, but then it becomes subject of interpretation by the director and the writer themselves so like not all the characterizations of course are great again i'm talking about gay characters in 1971 but i just know from re-watching movies from the 80s where it just seems like every movie mm. you remember from the 80s has to have a a gay joke in it. And it's like, this is so weird when you go back and are in front of it. And I, I, again, I know that's going to be like, well, like it wasn't bad back then. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's true either. <laughs> I think, I think we knew enough even in the eighties to be like, maybe we shouldn't be punching down quite so much. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in the eighties and, uh, as you've been alluding to uh, off mic, uh, where we're heading, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be a big formative tone shift and like the war on drugs, I think that it's going to be a, a wide blanket and a push by uh, probably sort of a, a macro level force mm-hmm. uh, to make a certain pandemic slash endemic be focused on a certain group of people, i.e., you know, AIDS and gay people. Yeah, that's kind of the unspoken thing here in the 70s that's percolating just beyond the, the surface, which is like, yeah, the AIDS epidemic is going to be it's something that yeah. it's en route. And so I grew up in that era where everything was uh, gay jokes and we used all of these things that are now uh, canceled, right? Uh, I remember my sister reprimanded me maybe 10 or 15 years ago because I used to call my brother bad words, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. As a joke, because that's just how we were raised. And it's not excusable for that reason, but uh, it is interesting to think about what changed. You know, it's not like every movie in the 70s, 60s, and 50s were so pro-rights. There's a lot of really shitty things going on at the same time. But for whatever reason, The Machine and yourself have uh, selected movies in 1971 that at least give us a sense that that's not the -the run-of-the-mill thing that's happening in this era. We could be wrong, too. I mean, there might be a a swath of films we haven't seen yet that are all really negative. True. I mean, one of the big things I think that we didn't really delve into is that there is a burgeoning queer cinema that is happening in the early 70s again that is not going mainstream but is there okay and, and is being created and we're just we're not, we're just not, not focusing on that but maybe our bonus episodes on patreon <laughs> next year will explore some of that great great good all the gay stuff is behind the paywall here's the other thing i was been thinking about this week that i want to quickly discuss so 1971 People coming of age, so I'm talking like people that are 10 years old, maybe in their early teens, are going to be the filmmakers who then Mm. are kind of very, very influential in the mid-90s into the early 2000s. Right. And so that whole like uh, independent boom of like Steven Soderbergh, Tarantino, David Fincher, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, all of those people would have been 
kind of in this time mm, yeah. being influenced by some of these movies. And I wonder if there's something there that like this early to mid seventies is what pushes like that independent scene in the mid nineties to early two thousands, which is kind of interesting to, to think about. Yeah. I, I don't know. As we learn more and more too, as this podcast ages, um, you know, we don't take a particular academic or historical foundation on this. So for example, taking- Well, that's why I've compiled this document of- <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was not Foley. Kyle actually threw something <laughs> at my face. Uh, so yeah, P.T. Anderson or uh, Soderbergh, there will be people that can pull apart their biographies and say, well, they spent this much time on Broadway or in the theater or you know, in film school, they focus on this, that, and the other thing. So it's really hard to attribute a particular era. I think from an artistic point of view- you have to both be sensitive to what's going around you as much as you have to be sensitive to what you want to say about it. And for art, like for filmmakers that are trying to build narratives that are trying to tell us something or ask us questions, I think those are always going to be on the forefront of whatever they're allowed to talk about. And maybe that's what has gone a little deaf in the uh, you know Marvel-Disney conglomerate era, where as mass consumers, we just want to not think about anything. Mm -hmm. uh, like you brought up, it's not like challenging movies are not being made. They are, but I'm not watching them <laughs> as far as I can tell. I well, I think, so here's something I was, I've, again, thinking about this here this past week. Here's something I've just written down that were off the top of my head. I didn't do any like big research here, knowing full well that like licorice pizza probably just came out here from Paul mm. Thomas Anderson. I have not seen it yet, of course, so I can't comment on it. But just some things that are out in the ether right now, we have some stuff like on Netflix, we have Passing. Mm -hmm. We have Spencer in theaters. The Humans just came out. Pig, The Green Knight again, I put on there. Like, these are not mass market movies. No. Uh, just watch Passing, actually. Yeah, I yeah. did too, actually. Uh, and are meant to be challenging in, in many cases. And are playing around with form. And are playing around with how those stories are being told a little bit. But I think you're right. Like, those are not top 10 Netflix. Or they're not, like, huge box office hits. Well, I mean, not that... We should do this at any length. But what what were you think? What were your feelings about passing? Well, I I know already from looking on Letterbox that I liked it more than you did. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was a challenging movie in that uh, it's really kind of confronting you. By the way, I should be the last person to talk about race. But whatever, um, you're white. This, <laughs> this movie's about you. What I liked about it, but it felt like it was speaking to me is the is the person who in that movie is passing. And if people don't know, it's a movie about two black women where. Both of them can pass off as being a white person in white society, one more so because uh, they dyed their hair blonde and that sort of thing. So the one that is more passing, quote unquote, more passing, it's interesting that she takes on a lot of the white qualities of like, oh, things are going to be okay. It's like, I, I can uh, walk into Harlem and I'm not, I'm going to be okay. And her privilege, her newfound privilege is also her undoing inside of that film. Really enough, 2021 has also had a bunch of films shot in black and white. It's mm -hmm. kind of a weird thing that happened in 2021. This one I felt justified yeah. using black and white because I think it really makes it stark and contrasting. And you're not focusing on like, well, what she passed for me or what or yeah, anything like that. Yeah. It's like it makes it clear like that's not the point. Plus the four by three aspect ratio I thought made it a little bit claustrophobic <laughs> as, a, as the tension wraps up. So like I did, I, I ended up actually quite liking it. I wouldn't say I loved the movie, but I thought it was actually pretty pretty strong and i like tessa thompson and ruth nega a yeah, lot yeah. a lot yeah. no everybody was great and it's shot beautifully rebecca yeah. ferguson i think uh, no what's her no, name? no that's rebecca the, hall. hall yeah ferguson's the spy mission impossible mm -hmm. reference the only reason i ask not to get too detailed into the thing is you know i was watching that movie with helen and um 
a lot. It reminded me a little bit of us going through this. I spent some time while watching it on Wikipedia to understand the nature of passing because I thought, is this a movie about an individual that got away with it or is there something cultural? And then when you dig that hole, it's crazy. It's oh, been yeah. happening ever because, I mean, you start reading about how um, interracial marriages were banned, but it was illegal for slave owners to rape their fucking slaves. Right. And so we can start getting um, all these, and this is where the term mulatto and quadrilateral, all these things come out. And these people, in order to originally, in order to escape slavery, would start passing. But by this era in the 1920s, the emancipations happen, and this has become more about social class. So like 1971, I was watching this and I was like, am I enjoying the film or <laughs> is it the historical context that I'm learning sure, sure. that's like informing how I experience this film? If I was forced in a theater to watch the whole thing first, much like I've been trying to do for this podcast, would it be a lower mark? And then we would talk about it. And I'd be like, you know, this is a much more important film. I just wish, you know, uh, I mean, this is a, not a great example because I actually like the way it was shot, but it does have some weird, um, I mean, it leaves so much. Oh, I'm trying to think. We watched a movie that was like this too. I don't know if it was Walkabout or mm -hmm. where they don't want to intentionally tell you anything. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, but it goes to the point of a little bit of being obscure because you wonder, why is everybody so depressed? <laughs> Well, I know that's how I felt about the Green Knight. I, I like yeah. looking at the historical context of Green Knights. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a good color, right? Uh, Actually, not everybody can pull it that's off. That's right. That's right. Actually, I was thinking about like Green Knight, not like subject matter or or even how it's filmed, but it's so close in tone to like a two lane blacktop, where it's like no one mm. really says anything. It's like moping around and <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and it sometimes gets like so obtuse. So it's like, I don't really know what's going on right now, but. Yeah, if, uh, who shot Tulane Blacktop? If that person Monty did. Monty Hellman. Monty Hellman. If Monty Hellman did a lot more acid, he probably would have made uh, Green Knight. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I guess I brought it up in passing because uh, I just wanted to bring up that point. I think we've been discussing again off mic whether we want to, actually on mic too, reevaluate everything. I've been mm -hmm. looking back at how there's almost like a ruefulness that I wonder if I've been too critical. Um, and then I realized, of you course have. not. And then, uh, and then I started thinking, what is it about 1971 that I had so much difficulty uh, connecting with? And I think it's just that. It's uh, the historical conversations that inform all of the movies. I'm just, I wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. And we learned it after the fact. And we had an opportunity, as we've been discussing, to maybe change the scores. And uh, you know, I, I feel like that would uh, not work. It would be disingenuous because, um, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, I'll change the score after I rewatch them, right? That seems to be a little bit more fair. Yeah. You're, you're setting me up really well because I am going to change some of the scores <laughs> after the break. Um, but before we get to our ad read segment here, uh, was there anything else you wanted to say kind of as like your final statement to the year 1971? Um, no, uh, I'm glad we did it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we uh, experienced it and I'm glad we're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> leaving it behind. No. Um, all right. Well, me and Dave are going to go thank some sponsors. And then when we return, we'll be doing some different changes to the list, or at least I will be. And then also revealing what our next season is going to be about. What's, what's the first thing you're going to do when we get back to Earth, Dave? Oh, that's a good question. We've been gone for how long? A year? Just about a year. Hmm. I think I'm going to go and uh, read some newspapers about what this coronavirus thing is that we've been... It's just really weird. I've been getting some uh, 
signals from Earth and doesn't seem too good. Just about as out of date as 1971. <laughs> newspapers, everyone. Well, I should let you know, of course, that Kyle and Dave versus the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. Did I say ATB? Is that what I said I was going to do? I wasn't paying attention. All I could hear was roomy. Yeah, ATB. Okay, so uh, just going to do the ATB to the APN and uh, <laughs> the PPR and then do the PPR the to the CFD. Is the music getting louder or is that just uh, just me? Oh, it's getting louder. <laughs> Okay. Well, if we get a copyright flag on this, uh, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, that's because maybe someone on the ship is playing really loud music and I can't tell them to shut it off. It's like a podcast ghost who's slowly approaching us with the Say Anything Ghetto Blaster. You know who would care about my plight, Dave? ATB. It's definitely getting louder. (laughs) Hold on. Listen, Dave, uh, with ATB Cares, giving Ooh, is, is easy. Well, in gay parlance, that means that I am thrust. No, that, that we, won't, we won't talk about that in this ad copy, oh, Dave. How dirty of boy. you. Oh, boy. You can donate through ATB Cares, and ATB will match 20% of every dollar donated to eligible Albertan charities, maximizing the impact of your donation. You can visit atbcares.com to choose your cause and donate today. So I'm just, I can hear John Legend for some reason, and I'm imagining him on a piano singing to Chrissy Teigen. Is she still canceled? Is that a thing? Sure. I don't know who that is, Dave. (laughs) It's like we've been on an alien spacecraft Mm -hmm. for a year. Oh, Kyle, uh, how's our ship? Do we have cold drafts? Dave, it is barely holding together. It is basically duct tape and spit at this point. There's some lights that are flickering. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, that is a leak, but I don't think it's coming from a ship, Kyle. You need to figure that out. If you ever wonder what's really going on in your home, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call. Oh, they do that now. They added that. And get your questions answered. Or is that always on there? Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit roomy.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. Great. All right. Yeah, great. Give me that Thanks, uh, computer Rumi. back there. Sponsorship. Money. Buy some New Year's Eve gifts. Everybody needs it. I'm going to wrap it up. 2022 can't be as bad as 2021, right? Is that just like asking for a yeah, devastation just, to follow? You fucked it up. Knock on wood. There's no wood in this spaceship. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's the problem. Okay, so we're back. Uh, so yes, Dave, I know that you think this is completely ludicrous. Mm-hmm. But I did look at the list and I think that there might be some things that need to be slightly adjusted. Okay. I'm doing two adjustments. The the machine here has said that, that what we could do yep. is we could take a, st- a star or half a star from a movie, yep. but then it had to go to a different movie. So I couldn't add anything extra. I'm, I'm just like, rearranging the actual number of stars per film okay i love talking about math the first movie that i was like again as much as i did not enjoy the experience of the movie i do think that the historical context does deserve a little bit of a boost a slight boost okay and that was sweet sweet back yeah on our list sweet sweet back is currently uh at the number 42 position Mm -hmm. we both gave it a one yeah on the flip side of that there was a movie called plaza suite Mm. That we watched with your favorite actor, Walter Matthau. Yeah. <laughs> All time. Piece of shit. Favorite yeah. actor. <laughs> 
And um, I've, I've been looking at this list and I'm thinking I might have overrated that movie by Why, just a little bit. What did you give it? Well, you gave it a one yeah. and I gave it a 2.5. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> How have I not been angrier this year? Yeah. Um, and I think I just overrated it because I, I still will say the first story of that movie, the first third, sure. is pretty good. Yeah. But the other two are pretty bad. Like, they're yeah. not good. No. <laughs> and it's also a movie I forgot like exactly right after I stopped watching yeah, I'm it. I'm trying so. to remember. Well, the first actress is great too. Yeah. And uh, hey, well, let's not get into that again. So, Just listen to the episode and you can see me getting upset about it. I'm going to take half a star okay. from Plaza Suite to All drop right. it down to a two. And I'm going to give a half a star to Sweet Sweet Back mm, mm. to bump it up here a little bit. Okay. Now, what that means. So we have to do some quick changes here as they say in england basically sweet sweet back will actually not move up at all on the list just based off of its average rating here unless you want to give it another star dave plaza suite will drop down i think because it now is going to go to a 1.5 average rating so when you look at the other 1.5s there's throw away your books and wild rovers do you still think it deserves to be above those two in the middle or below no it's below i mean this is my opinion I, i hated it so Let's do that. It's a loaded, loaded question. So that means that we're going to drop Plaza Suite down to uh, the 41st position right above Sweet Sweet Back. But now Plaza Suite is not above THX 1138 and Mm. stuff like that, which is like doesn't really deserve to be, I don't think. No. The other biggest one for me was where we're currently having Sunday Bloody Sunday, Mm -hmm. which is at the number 19 position, which is an awful, but you gave it a two a two uh <laughs> for sunday bloody sunday it's it's basically to two plaza suites yeah it's like as good as two plaza yeah. suites <laughs> and i give it a 3.5 yeah I, I liked it and then what happened to me is that the more i thought about that and the bigger longer distance i get from that the more i really enjoy that movie i actually yeah. really want to rewatch it again just yeah. to see how i really feel about just it turn it off 10 minutes before the right because yeah. the ending is kind of dumb everything else up to that point is really really good mm-hmm. so what i'm going to do this will make you happy dave is i'm going to go and actually take a, a, a half a star again from willy wonka willy wonka is right above it and uh you give it a 1.5 yeah. i give it a 4.5 insane <laughs> this tells you everything you need to know about your opinion i mean how the fuck is willy wonka 4.5 Beloved, Dave. It is a beloved film. Oh, I'm not saying people don't beloved. It. It's just garbage. So two that is going to, yes, flip some things around here. So Willy Wonka's new average is going to go to 2.75, which then would tie it with currently Red Sun, Get Carter, A New Leaf. Where <sighs> would you put that in within that list? I would put it above New Leaf. But Let's this do is, is going to be I'm, contentious I'm, for yeah, you because... I know. I actually would put it at the top of all of those, I was gonna to be say, honest. And you like the inverse. You liked a new leaf, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a piece of shit. And this... And Red Sun was just a missed opportunity, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, Get Carter actually liked more than you, so... Yeah. So... Why do I remember these things? It's like I pay attention sometimes. It's awful. What we'll do is we'll split the difference. Put it, we'll put it in the, in the halfway point just to make us both happy. So it'll drop down to... 21 but then we have sunday Bloody sunday then which now has a three average and then that ties then with play misty for me and shaft so mm-hmm. do you think that should go again top middle underneath i think top yeah it's a better film save for the last three minute 
fourth wall break. It's <laughs> trying to say, I mean, you can argue whether it's trying to say more or less than Shaft, but I think it does it in a much more, what's mm -hmm. the right word? Not intellectual, that's unfair to Shaft, but yeah, in I, a I, conversational I would, way. I, I guess I would just look also at the actual filmmaking of right. the two of them. And uh, Gordon Parks is great as far as a photographer and stuff goes, but I just think that something like something has a little bit more panache for lack of a better word yeah and i i mean Polish. i am i am like quote unquote in the bag a little bit for this but it, it speaks a lot more to me just yeah. as it is a personal viewer so i do think that by my estimation of that movie will go up if i do get to rewatch it so that means that sunday way sunday will then go up to our number 16 position just underneath of course escape from planet of the apes <laughs> so well okay, I, I mean i'll just say there is literally nothing you can say to make that better you know should sunday bloody sunday be a two probably not but mm -hmm. when i was looking at this list it is too difficult for me to look at the year as a whole and uh, and just pull numbers up and down sure and so i tried it actually and uh, i think it's a mess and my total aggregate What's my average, like 2.25 or 2.23 yeah. is your aggregate. So I don't know. You know, the other thing I was thinking about with that, I think I'm a full point and 1.2 lower than you on average, is that was I being unfair at the beginning of the year and did I soften up at the end of the year? So I, I assumed that that was the case. But when I was looking at the whole thing, I'm not actually sure that's the case. I don't think so either. I think the only difference is that I've learned to appreciate the context around the film, like historically mm -hmm. more. And so if we watch Sunday Bloody Sunday, would it be more important to me? Of course. And the number would go up quite significantly. But I th I'm going to stick to it because that's how I experienced it. I think even in the episode, I was saying the two is for how I watched the movie. Yeah. And the conversation is much better, much more important. We learn a lot. I, I will say this. We're actually not like that far away from each other as far as the aggregate scores go. No. Here at the end, your average rating was 2.23 out of 5. Good. Whereas mine was 3.11 out of 5. Can I just point out, I, I, this is <laughs> not math, but it, shouldn't your average be around the halfway point of a rating scale? <laughs> well, then yours is under it. So I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. So you're not fully, it's like a 0. 0.9 or something like All that, right, that we're okay. away as far as our ratings go. Which if you look back at our 1999 season, I just looked at this, I think we're 0. 0.6 away or something like that. Okay. So we're not like... A huge difference between no. the two years. We just argued more on specific films. Well, yeah, there was definitely more divisions where there were stark differences between like, this is awful garbage. And it's like, no, yeah. I think there's some... Willy Wonka is garbage. You're right. Exactly. Exactly a what I've been... is a moose-bouche <laughs> of, of garbage. Anyways, that's, that's going to be our scores here. Okay. So now we have to do some plot progression here, Dave, which is... Plot. That means yeah. you have a story we're telling. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All uh, right. That's okay. right. Yeah. Which is uh, Machine. We're, ah, we're actually going to directly talk to you. It's kind of like, I don't know if people would actually understand this reference. Nobody it's understands our story. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of like a Stewie from Family Guy, Okay, which when they need it to happen, people understand what Stewie is saying. Mm. And when they don't want it to uh, cause issues, no uh, one knows what Stewie is saying. I just assumed they always knew what he was saying because he's such an asshole. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. And so like the machine here has been speaking all throughout every episode. And yet we never- Has it? We, okay. never, we never really respond to it directly. But no. machine- uh, what are we doing next year? I've told you many times not to look at me in the eyes. What do you mean? I'm not repeating myself. Plus, I need your last diamond. What? Uh, <laughs> David wants me to give my last diamond. Oh, we have diamonds. To it. So okay. I guess I guess that's our last thing. Here's our 
The hand diamond. gesture you're making, that is an enormous diamond. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like a fucking goose egg. <laughs> we should keep it. And Get off this rock. It's, uh, just describe what's happening, Dave. What is, what is the machine doing with that diamond? I'm looking at an abstract painting on a brick wall. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's a filing cabinet and uh, what looks like a sewage pipe. Exactly. That runs Excellent. through the whole thing. Excellent. Yeah, that's uh, it. No, it's got a thing on its body. Mm-hmm. It has inserted the diamond into a hole in its body and uh, it is now excreting something it looks like a piece of paper all right i'm gonna take this yeah i'm not gonna touch that it looks wet w- 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 it is actually that's disgusting it's printed an old like ronald reagan oh, uh, campaign poster no no wonder it's so wet but it, uh, but it, it is revealing me we we're not gonna go through all the hoops that we had to do last year to figure out what what year we're going to go through it's sort of just telling us okay yeah this is actually expedited storytelling is what great yeah we're getting right to the point so next season yeah we're gonna be doing the year 1982 you're welcome all right so we're jumping 11 years into the future good i know that 1982 is the something's called like the best genre year Ooh. of Hollywood All or right. science fiction, horror, fantasy films okay. came out that year. Okay. Do you know some films that came out in 1982, Dave? I think you're going to tell me and then I'm going to uh, nod or speak my assent. Mm-hmm. So we have things like John Carpenter's The Thing. Right. We have Poltergeist. We Good. have Blade Runner. We have. Greatest movie. Yeah. <laughs> we have E.T. Wow. Tron. Amazing. The Wrath of Khan. Amazing. Uh, 48 Hours comes out awesome. uh, that year. But we also have things like Scorsese's uh, The King of Comedy. Mm. We have Tootsie. Wow. Sophie's Choice. Gandhi comes out that year. Wow. <laughs> uh, and such things that are getting like some cult followings nowadays, like Halloween 3 Gross. came out <laughs> uh, that year. Uh, Conan the Barbarian Wait, came out that year. when's the original ha- Halloween? Like late 70s? 79. Oh, wow. Third uh, one already. Conan's amazing. First Blood. Wow. That's Rocky Three. That's The Drago. Last Unicorn. Secret of Nim. So we get to watch good movies, is what you're telling well, me. Well, we'll see. We'll see if any of these hold up. I think nowadays. I've watched almost all of these. <laughs> well, I think that's going to be the fascinating <laughs> thing, Dave. It's 1971, 90%, probably even more than that, are, were films I saw for the first time. Yeah. We are going to a year where, just on that list here, I have seen like 90% of those movies. So it's going to be a different conversation, I think, a little bit because some of these are going to be rewatches or most of them are going to be rewatches for me. How many cuts of Blade Runner are we going through? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to figure that out because there is technically five different cuts you can watch. I have them all on Blu-ray. So it depends on which one we want to focus on. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we, uh, when we're prescribed it. Listen, I have to go. What do you mean you have to go? Who's going? The machine. You need to quarantine before you can land on Earth. I'll be back next week. Just talk about the top 250 movies for the next three weeks. Uh, okay, so Dave... the name of our podcast? Yeah. Dave, you just heard that long diatribe that the machine just went on. But just to reiterate, we have to stay in quarantine for the next three weeks. So we actually can't go to Earth. Uh, gross. So you get another three weeks away from your family, Perfect. which I mean, you're loving. You're yeah, loving this. No, this is great. <laughs> Three, three more weeks with you on a couch yeah, call. Yeah. Uh, you've gotten to watch your son grow up from afar. This, this is perfect. Wait, perfect. we had video? I, I didn't know. Well, we've we been talking about that, that the entire time. <laughs> I haven't been talking to my family at all, actually. <laughs> we are going to be jumping into 1982 in about three weeks from now. Okay. What that means is that we have three weeks then that we have to stay here in quarantine. Perfect. Uh, we are, we're done 1971. I have my vaccinations, so I don't know. Well, mm-hmm. 
No, no, yeah. I don't know how we got that just, up here in space. But just saying. Yeah. We have to get to, we have to get our third shot actually, Dave. So we have to boosters, that, baby, both boobs, boosters. Yeah. Then we can go back to Earth here uh, and continue our deep and rich fiction on Earth. Once we arrive back there, we do. Mm, have, so in sustain, these three weeks, sustain <laughs> in these three weeks. Yeah. We're going to focus on the letterboxed top 250. It's chipping away at right. it. That's what we did last year for, for a bit of time. So three movies as a kind of our intermediary period and then jumping back into 1982. So let me push this button here. Another printout. And the machine, um, I guess, is now going and it's off the ship. I don't know what, what, what it's up to. What are we calling the podcast now? Okay, yeah, keep going. I'm All following. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll be back next week to This is why we should write the story. ad copy. I mean, you're such a good storyteller. <laughs> Possibly the best storyteller of the modern generation. I mean, we have a podcast, so. Dave, we get to watch The Apartment next week. I thought we were in the spaceship. No, we, we're we going to The Apartment to watch The Apartment. Oh, oh I see. The okay. Jack Lemmon, uh, Shirley MacLaine film from 1960, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, on the Criterion Collection mm -hmm. for four more, two more days. Yeah, a month ago. Yeah. Uh, as of the past recording <laughs> yeah, that this yeah. is not. So I've heard of it in the sense that it's on my watch list. I have not seen it before. So it'd be good because uh, we're due to watch some good movies. Do do. All right. <laughs> I, uh, oh yeah, I have to quip that I don't like Jack Lemon. And that makes you angry. I'm going to flip this goddamn table. That's <laughs> what I'm about to do. I mean, Grumpy Old Men is so stupid. He was terrible in Hamlet. So uh, What are you talking about? Oh, my God. Okay. Well, we'll have that fight next week. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I know we're not supposed to be sentimental on this podcast. Mm. But because this is the end of the year, we're about to go into season three of this podcast. And uh, to pull back the, the curtain a little bit, because of space and time, uh, when we're recording this, uh, yesterday, one of my all-time favorite creators of all time, Stephen Sondheim, passed away. And one of the things that uh, really comes to the forefront of what he taught people and some of the shows he wrote for is letting people know about things that you like and appreciate. So I wanted to offer this. I, again, I know we're not supposed to be sentimental on this show, but uh, I love the fact that we got to spend all this time together. Doing this podcast is one of my all-time highlights of each week. I look forward to it, even when it's a bad movie. <laughs> That we have to yell at each other about. So thank you for spending the time with me. All uh, 52 plus hours wow. <laughs> of this podcast. I was waiting for this to be a bit, Kyle. No. But now you're like being fucking earnest and shit. Uh, no, it, I uh, I love it. If we weren't having such a good time, Kyle, I would have gotten off this fucking ride a long time ago. <laughs> I think. What, sweet, what, sweet what movie? I was going to say, what movie would it have been where it was like, Get me off. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I, Helen has been commenting a lot about my facial expressions every week. <laughs> You're getting more wrinkles in your forehead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's been great. I, I love doing this. And I feel like, I mean, we're becoming better friends for it, but mm. I feel like I'm smarter because we're like reading more. <laughs> I know. It's like, I already know all about American history now. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Somebody tweets something. I'm like, oh, no, I, I've read that before. I, I mentioned it. I read it on Wikipedia. So that's right. I feel, so, I feel good. So I basically, <laughs> I basically read the whole book. I read the Wikipedia entry. So <laughs> yeah, so this is great. It's been fun. Yeah, Kyle. I like, uh, I like seeing your face on Zoom. This is particularly <laughs> awkward because I haven't sat down in a room with you since right. we watched Green Knight. That's right. Uh, and we just basically sat beside her and looked at somebody else for two and a half hours. <laughs> to be fair, it was Dev Patel, so that's not a bad face to look at. So. That movie, oh man. 
God, it could have been different. Well, it's all right. We get to go now. We'll look at uh, Timothy Chalamet and uh, yeah. uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Okay. And I don't actually know who's in it. Other yeah. hot people. So. I think Sting could still pull it off. <laughs> Right, <laughs> Sting. They really should have like stunt cast Sting as some sort of like bit part in <laughs> he there. Deep, yes. He could deep fake him. He probably has the same body. All that tantric stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's a good looking dude. I've told you many times not to look at me in the eyes.